Hi everyone! Thank you for joining us! This is our Drunk? Mariana? Mariana, are you are drunk? Are you drunk? Oh, already. Probably. Yeah. Oh, well. I'm Brandy. I'm Emma. And I'm Mariana. This is your book club with a twist, and we are your happy hour girlfriends. Woo-woo. Yeah. This month, we're reading Britt Bennett's mesmerizing novel, The Vanishing mm. Half. Mm-hmm. Chicas, I know I've said this before, but I don't want to put this one down. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I've been looking forward to our Hora de Felicidad all week. Hmm. But before we get deep, how about our last sesh? Hmm? <laughs> we chatted about? about our escapist <laughs> fantasies, oh. which were that far fetched for some of us. Mm-hmm. Emma. <laughs> Hey! Yeah. <laughs> what makes us who we are? Our fingerprints and fruit. All the fruit. Yeah. <laughs> I can't walk through the produce aisle the same way again. <laughs> <laughs> well, you see star fruit, banana, and what peach? <laughs> oh, well, I'm already salivating. Oh, <laughs> for which reason? Yeah. E. What's going to quench our thirst today? Hmm? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, not starfruit. <laughs> Today's cocktail pairing is an homage to Michael Jackson. Oh. Can you guess the name? Uh, no. Today's drink is called Black or White. Get it? Like the song? I do. I yes, get it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was expecting like a little more like exciting reaction. Yeah, I was yeah. trying to f- remember how the song went. That's why. You guys were like, yeah. <laughs> how on Black earth? Guy. Yes. Thank you. There it is. <laughs> how on earth could Ricardo have come up with this one I for don't this know. book? No, oh, I know. Crazy. Not to make light of this complex and serious situation. For real. But as this is a huge concern for Stella in these episodes we read for today, it just made sense. This cocktail is as if a white Russian and a black Russian had a baby. She's going to be creamy with a pep in her step. Here to divulge the recipe for this yin and yang of a cocktail Ooh. is our very well-balanced bartender, <laughs> yes. Ricardo. Ricardo. Hello, ladies. Welcome to the bar. Hi. How are you? Fantastic. Good. The sun is out. I Finally. know. Yeah. Spring is coming. Spring Soon is enough. Coming. Soon any, enough. Any day now. We are going to enjoy the last uh, wintry cocktail today, I promise. So from now on, I'm going to try to to look at the summertime okay. as an inspiration for the cocktail. Oh, so, love it. The cocktail of today is called Black or White. Ooh. It's very appropriate. And yes. it's a twist on both versions of the black and the white Russian. So oh. It's a little melting pot of the two recipes. So okay. For, for this cocktail, we're going to need uh, one ounce and a half of chilled coffee. It's your choice using espresso or other French press or whatever mm-hmm. coffee you like. An ounce and a half of Kahlua, half of an ounce of vodka, and mm-hmm. a quarter of a teaspoon of vanilla extra. 
And then as a garnish for this cocktail, we're gonna need whipped cream and cocoa powder. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> so we're gonna pour all the ingredients in the shaker, uh, coffee, Kahlua, and vodka, and a little and uh, uh, vanilla extract. We're gonna shake it and strain over ice in a rock glass. I would recommend to start with just a few ice cubes in the glass mm. and see the level of the liquid uh, where it's gonna be in your glass because every every other every person has different glasses so yeah right every level this is different because we need to garnish with whipped cream so we don't want to go like too much over the rim because right brandy we are not gonna use a straw oh to drink you are getting called out that's again. right we're not we're not no <laughs> i would never no i know Oh. <laughs> uh, so we need to be sure that the whipped cream is at a level that allow us to actually sip from the rim of the of the glass without spilling all the cocktail on us. Mm, we don't want uh, that. <laughs> no. no. And the cocoa powder, I would personally recommend some cocoa powder that is like unsweetened or uh -huh. like even like very bitter because Kahlua is sweet. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, the the vanilla extract is sweet mm. right. and the whipped cream is sweet. Cream is sweet. So it's yeah. a kind of a dessert cocktail and every Decadent. everything that could be bitter that can add be added to this cocktail is gonna help you to balance all this sweetness that you will have. Yeah. And it's boozy because it's there's still alcohol. It's nice, yeah. So, Yep. It's going to sneak up on me. Wait, so Ricardo, what did you use for whipped cream? Did you have a vegan I, option? I, yes, I used a vegan option for the whipped cream. It's even a little sweetener, I think, oh. than the regular one because it's okay. coconut based. Ooh, uh, yeah. So if, you, if you're not so. vegan and you use like a regular whipped cream, I cool. highly, <laughs> highly recommend it. Or if you want to make your own. I highly recommend to don't put too much sugar in your uh -huh. in your own creamer, or okay. if you buy it, try to buy it something that is like not sweet, right. not super okay. sweet. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So enjoy your cocktail. Fabulous. Thank you. Salute. Yes. Thank Ciao, you ragazze. so much. Bye, Bye. Ricardo. Ciao. All right, women. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> mm, mm, mm. She's like a dessert in my mouth. It yeah. is. Her, a Ooh. dessert in liquid form. Oh, then. Do you need a moment alone with your drink, Emma? I would like that. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Turning off the Zoom now. <laughs> but I'm keeping the mic on. <laughs> Just turn off your video. Yeah. Do you like it? I really like it. I love it. It's so yeah. creamy and like, I can honestly Delicious. barely taste the alcohol. Dangerous. dangerous. Uh-huh. And I made a double. You're drinking with a straw. Aww. So, Ricardo's gone. <laughs> Ricardo's, Ricardo's gone away, nobody better tell on me. The women play. <laughs> <laughs> I'm shocked Mariana didn't make hers with um, mezcal. <laughs> Instead Ooh, of the vodka, I should that have. That might be actually that really good. Smokiness, smokiness. That might be nice hmm. to balance off all the sweetness, right? Might Drink be good. number two, Mariana. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. All right.
So this week, we jump forward in time to Jude at age 18, having moved to Los Angeles to attend UCLA. At a party one night, she meets Reese, an aspiring photographer and transgender man who makes her feel seen for the first time in her life. After a long friendship, the two finally admit their feelings for each other, though Reese never lets Jude get too physically close since there are parts of himself that still remain from his past. She secretly resolves to make more money to help him pay for his surgery so that they can really be together, and she takes a job at a catering company, catering to the rich and famous. Stella, meanwhile, (laughs) lives comfortably in Brentwood, an expensive subdivision in L.A. County with her white husband and daughter. That is, until a threat poses itself in the form of a black family trying to buy the house across the street from her in their all-white neighborhood. She remembers back to an early day of attempting to pass on a whites-only day at a museum and being winked at by the black security guard. We always know our own, her mother had said. Will her lie finally be discovered? Dun, dun, dun. Will it? Oh, my gosh. I, yeah. I want to know who that family is. Same. Did you have a theory? Nope. Oh, you didn't. I didn't What either. is your theory? Oh, okay. <laughs> but usually Emma comes up with these theories, so I was curious. Oh, you The only too. thought that I had was we know that Sam and Desiree divorced and he has a new family now. Right. I don't know how he would have become that wealthy, but that was my... Because right. one of you had said... Remember last week we were talking about does he know she had a twin? Yeah. But if he moved yes. in across the street, he'd recognize her immediately. Right away. But I'm not sure of the timeline. I'm not really sure. I think right now in the timeline, he's still married to Desiree, right? Mm, no, this is 10 years later. But didn't no. MLK just get shot? Yeah, it went back in time. It went and we back revisited in time. that occurrence, yeah, when MLK so got shot. So I think shot. at this at this moment, oh, does it end in? Oh, right. I think because remember, there's a moment where MLK gets shot, and Stella wonders where Desiree is at is. that moment. Mm-hmm. And of course, we know that that's the same moment where Sam is rescuing uh, her, saying, "This is my woman." From, after right. somebody calls her a white, bitch. right, 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 right. So I get it can't be Sam, but that was my first like, yeah. oh, maybe. But what's so exciting is how all these stories are so intertwined and that Jude is the one that's going to discover Stella at that party. Yeah. Like that. Uh, wait, was do, just... we, do we know that for sure? We don't know that for no, sure, but I'm but almost thinking that that has to be. to be. When she drops that wine glass or whatever right. it is, I mean, it no, has, it has to, be Stella. to be You think Stella is the woman who just came Walked in? Yeah, in the fur coat. Yeah. yeah. Meaning okay. the blonde girl that asked her for the drink is her cousin. Is the Right. Yes. Daughter. Right. Right. Oh, gosh. I can't wait to see how that unfolds. I loved (laughs) that moment. So did I. (laughs) All right. Well, now we've discussed where everything ends. We don't have to talk about the episode anymore. That's it. Just enjoy our drinks. That's the climax of the episodes. I don't know why I'm like having so much fun already that I don't even want to get into like the more serious matters of this book because like I, I took several notes, but I'm like, I'm not too. really ready to go there yet. Yeah, I know. I know. And it w- there was a lot of heavy stuff. There was a lot of in heavy this stuff. section. It's weird because it felt fun. 
you know, to be living with Jude now that she's yes. on her own and she's yeah. indulging in this like new love story for mm-hmm. herself. And then we're we're finally seeing what the hell Stella's been up to. So it's it was an exciting set of chapters, but a lot of serious shit goes down. Like a lot of really dark stuff. Yeah, we really do get deep. Yeah. I actually, one thing, I I did really want to mention how much I appreciated now hearing a voice from a transgender character. Because that's something we haven't visited before in all the books that we've chosen so far. Right. So I thought that was brilliant of of Brit to bring this out. And also Mm -hmm. for us to really read about all the pain and the struggles and everything that Reese did endure throughout his time and that he was willing to share all that. Exactly. And how it led into this beautiful love story of two outsiders being able to meet and find love with each other. Mm -hmm. I thought that was just exquisite. Yeah, the vulnerability of that. Mm -hmm. And the friendship in that too. I feel right. like I feel like we're just like taking little pieces from everything and like tying it together because like you know the friendship between Reese and Jude, but also that friendship between Reese and Barry. Barry. Like I loved that friendship. Yeah, and I loved Barry, and and that's oh a whole. God, I mean, yes. that's another thing. You know, drag is now it's like a whole fun culture, but back then, mm-hmm. yeah, was incredibly risque, and you know, yeah. still unfortunately. Speaking of trans, you know, that community is completely <sighs> abused and um, mm-hmm. uh, looked at. It's a, it's still a t- it's still a very tough time for people in oh, that yeah. community. And yeah. so yeah. I can only imagine what it was like in 1978 or 1968. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One thing I found really beautiful about both of those characters, about Barry and about Reese, is that while they are both people who live in these communities that are hurting so much and Reese especially you know we meet him when he has absolutely nothing Barry kind of rescues him from homelessness and feeds him and all this stuff but they're both characters who give so much Barry does take Reese in and Reese does see Jude and I feel like he does he likes her but I think he also recognizes a need in her to be accepted and he's so respectful of her and so respectful of her space. Mm-hmm. And I feel like he, I feel like he's just really considerate of her. And I feel like in some ways he teaches her what she should expect to mm-hmm. be treated like by mm-hmm. other people, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. And Completely. I love that that comes from characters who have been so hurt and marginalized by right. society. Well, the first question I wrote down, not for you two, but in general, because I think our chapters start with hearing about all of those terrible names that Jude has called because of her skin color. Tar baby. I mean. I mean, the list goes on and on. Yeah, they were terrible. Like, yeah, just really hurtful names. It just, like, really makes me ask, why is it that skin color is so fucking important to people? Like, why does anyone care? And not to compare, you know, my journey to anything that they're going mm-hmm. through. I don't think that they're really comparable. But I mean, as like as a very pale person, I was super self-conscious of my skin mm-hmm. when I was young. Like I never wore shorts because my legs were so white. Mm-hmm. Like I used to put lemon juice on my skin to fade my freckles. Oh, wow. You're kidding. No, I hated them. So, Isn't that one of the that's one of the things that my mom yeah. does for yes. her too, right? To lighten, to, her to, yeah, to lighten her skin. Yeah, to lighten her skin. Yeah. But it's like, why 
does it matter? Why why do any of us care? You know, and why are we going yeah. to tanning beds now to make our skin yeah. darker? Like Right. And it why It shouldn't. No, it's it's just a huge Overall, I just don't under I don't understand that. I concept. think it's just and it's just anything to pick at that makes you different. And it was it was m- most highlighted to me with the the boy whose name I don't even remember now. Who Lonnie? makes fun Lonnie? Who yeah. makes fun of her by day and is so cruel to her, and yet at night they're I mean, making out and you know they have this weird secret relationship he had this infatuation with her but he never wanted to show that to anybody else right because he didn't want to be perceived a certain way mm-hmm. but beyond not showing it to anybody he was really cruel like really awful yeah. to her yeah i mean i feel like and also gave permission for other people to be really awful to her in doing so which is also just a very strange it's a strange thing that i don't that i just don't understand it, it was so sad to me to see jude giving into that because mm. that's all she knew and she even mentions oh. how she had never been close to someone physically yes. in that way so that's why she wanted it she craved it because she wanted to feel that closeness Mm -hmm. yeah that moment when early catches them and he's like why would you you know go out in the middle of the night to meet some boys she's like that's the only time he'll be nice to me that's the only time he pays attention to me and i was like and that's why i think that's one of the reasons i loved her relationship with reese so much is Mm -hmm. because he shows her that it doesn't have to be that way yes she can be beautiful in the daytime yes and you can have tenderness with a male. Mm-hmm. And you can be wanted. Like, I don't think before right. Reese she ever thought it possible that somebody might actually want right. her. Mm-hmm. And until Reese point blank said, no, I really want to be with you. Like, he had to really, like, right. blatantly say she it. She kept on she... making excuses and reasons for why it couldn't yeah, possibly it couldn't be happen. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. oh. <laughs> because of the color of her skin. Yeah. Well, and that was another thing I found really striking was um, I think it's Barry who's taking her sort of shopping for makeup. You know, mm-hmm. she's kind of his he pretends it's for her, but she says she has no interest in makeup because she can never find any that matches her skin. Mm-hmm. And it just highlighted for me just once again how marginalized black women and people with darker skin have been made to feel when companies don't even bother to make products right. for people like so you. True. Or I remember reading a few years ago, there was a ballerina who had come out and said, you know, how they didn't even make ballet shoes in the tone. Yeah. In the skin Mm -hmm. tone of black women, which I can only imagine just makes you feel like, okay, well, then this must not be for me. Like, I must not be accepted in that community if they don't even make things for me. God, that's so awful. Also, just like what teenage, I mean, I don't. I just remember being a teenager and like loving playing with makeup and stuff like, you know what I mean? So I just can't even imagine not having that or, you know what I mean? Feeling like I couldn't indulge in that if I wanted to. Right. Not getting to explore with like the fun parts of being a woman. Yeah. Yeah. Not that makeup is like a fun part of being a woman, but I do think like it can be. And especially like when you're at that age where you're allowed to first start wearing it, Mm -hmm. at least for me anyway. Yeah. You know, my mom wouldn't let me wear makeup until I was a certain age. And it was Mm -hmm. all I wanted, you know, to Mm -hmm. wear like blue mascara. (laughs) (laughs) She would not let me. And I was furious. Yeah. 
<laughs> they used to call me glitter girl in middle school because every day I had I a different color that. of glitter I on I my eyes. I that for you. 100%. In middle school. <laughs> I loved it. I was like, I, when my fi- my mom finally let me do it, I was like, oh my God, I love this so much. Every day, ah. a new, new color of glitter on my face. So I can see that. Oh. I love that. Well, I had a question that I wanted to ask you, ladies. Sure. Um, since we're talking about Barry, and he's a character who I found really tragic because he clearly has this, you know, this drag queen that he gets to whip out on the weekends. But then right. during the week, he's forced to be this other person. He has mm-hmm. to suppress this whole other, I mean, more possibly authentic side of himself. Mm-hmm. He has to push it down. Stella hides her heritage. Reese hides the fact that he was female and Maman too seems to suppress part of her blackness by insisting Mm -hmm. on her lightness. And of course we see that Desiree is like literally missing the other half of herself, her sister. So I wanted to know from the two of you, is there a side of yourself that you suppress or that you hide from the world a little bit? Mm. (laughs) I giggle because I'm like, how many how many answers can I have in this question? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, oh, okay, boy. so I'll start. So <clears throat> for me, it's um, yes, and it's the side of me that is stubborn, impatient, controlling, mm-hmm. anxious, mm-hmm. that's a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. Shall I go on? I mean, <laughs> I have a lot of qualities that, that I try to um, stifle. And I feel bad because I found that the one person that gets both sides of me is my partner. Yeah. My good friends get glimpses of these qualities, but I still hate showing those colors of myself even to them, even to you two. Yeah. I will say if you're one of those people who get to see the quote unquote darker sides of me, it means I feel comfortable enough with you that I can let those freak flags fly and I know you won't shun me or close (laughs) off to me. Mm-hmm. But still, like they're not, and it's probably because they're not, um, they're not sides of me that I'm like proud of. You know, like I'm a, yeah. I'm, I'm fully aware when, when those claws are out, and I don't like them, like in myself, yeah. and so yeah. I don't want anyone else to have to bear witness to mm-hmm. that. Yeah, I feel you. But the other side of me that I don't showcase is my like sensual side. Hmm. I get super shy showing this side of myself and I have a really hard time with, you know, sex, sex threat. I know what that means, that you two know what that means. <laughs> yeah. Like in scenes, like if that's, yeah. if that's my, my superpower, it's never going to happen. But I am a Scorpio, so that side of me mm-hmm. does exist in a very real way. But I'm very particular about who gets to see that and when, when I pull that card out. Yeah, that makes total sense. Completely. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I mean, in, in your words, B, I basically hide the side of myself from all. And like you said, Emma, except for Andrew mm-hmm. and my parents. Mm. Yeah. I have a very intense side to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I can get angry very easily. And can be very stubborn. So similar, (laughs) Emma. In other words, I can go from extremes, from one extreme to the other very quickly. Like I can be have like these extremely high highs and then these exceptionally Mm. low lows. Mm. And I can fluctuate. Like I could just go from one to another very quickly. 
And I think this is actually a very real part of me that many don't see because, again, I want everyone to approve of me, like me, and ultimately love me. Yeah. And I'm afraid, similarly to Emma, if others see this and those others don't love me unconditionally, they won't accept me and Mm -hmm. will not approve of these other sides of me. But then I guess I'm a very, like, extremely passionate person that feels deeply yeah. That's why and you're in a, a way, great actress. <laughs> thanks. And in a way, I always want to be right. I want to be the best and I want to be loved for it. Uh, but since I deter from confrontation quite a bit and let others influence me, I tend to hold all that in and lash out at those that I know will forgive me or understand where mm-hmm. all of this is coming from. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Though there are times that I think I would be taken more seriously or seen differently if I owned my power and I kept it more real. Yeah. Mm. I feel that. Well, that's that's sort of a follow-up question, I guess, that I have for both of you is like, do you feel like, are these hidden sides things that you feel like you want to remain hidden and want to remain Mm. suppressed? Or do you feel like you need to do work or are doing work to integrate those sides of yourself with? your more public persona that you present to people. Does that make for, sense? Yeah, for me, it's definitely the latter. I think okay. I need to own that that those sides of me that I keep hidden more because then I feel like I will be definitely a more rounded person and not necessarily taken advantage of, but not seen as what I'm told many, many times. It's like, oh my God, you're so sweet. You're just so nice. You're just so polished. Mm. You're just so put together. You're such a perfectionist. I'm like, yeah, but there are other layers that you just haven't seen yet. Uh But I don't necessarily trust you to get to that place with you. you. Mm -hmm. But then again, why do I have to tend to what that person needs? I should just be me and be real. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm also more the latter. But because I don't I don't ever think that anyone should have to hide certain parts of themselves unless they are like super, super ugly. But then I think the work comes into why then I think the work is why are why is that coming up? Like, where is that coming from? Because for me anyway, like I know when I get really upset and I lash out or I'm impatient or I'm stubborn, usually it's coming from something that's going on with me. Um, and so then I'm trying to do the work of why am I feeling this way? Where is it actually coming from? And then figure out how to smooth that out so that mm. I can not get rid of those qualities, but learn how to deal with them when they come up. Because I think it's mm-hmm. I think it's um, irrational to think that, like, no one's ever going to be impatient, that no one's ever going to be anxious, right. that no one's ever going to be bossy. Yeah, we are right. human. So I think it's right. it's not realistic to say that that we don't ever want to have those sides of us. It's just right. how do we deal with them when they come up? So right. like a cloud, they come and we acknowledge <laughs> them and then they pass. Mm. That's my work. Yeah, it's enough to not feel guilty for feeling that way. Taking that part of it out of the equation. Yeah. But I will say before you answer, Randy, because I also want you to answer that, mm-hmm. I think it's also really hard for us as women because I think – being strong and powerful is misconstrued as bitchy. 
Mm-hmm. and bossy. And so I think we need the bigger work for us as a society, as a culture, is to redefine what those definitions are. And to yeah. we just have to change our entire mindset that like a strong, loud, outspoken woman is not being bitchy. She's right. just saying right. what she wants or needs. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, th- and I say that, but that's, I have a really difficult time accepting that and so yeah mm-hmm. i also I, I also need because to... society's not there yet right. you will be perceived <laughs> right. a certain way yeah. probably yeah for being that way mm-hmm. yeah yeah i mean along with both of you i feel like i definitely try to present like put together brandy to mm-hmm. the world and i feel like i hide and suppressed like the emotional like i don't know what i'm doing brandy mm-hmm. um but the funny thing is, I, I feel like I do it as much for myself as I do it for other people. Mm. I feel like if I let emotional, if I let emotional Brandy out, I feel like she starts to affect my mental wellness. And mm. so, like, by keeping her in check, I can keep a positive attitude. I can keep on going as long as she stays in the back and I stay in the front. Mm-hmm. Does that make any sense? Totally. Completely. But... I feel like lately I'm I'm realizing that's that's maybe not healthy. <laughs> that's maybe not because you're holding way. that in. You're putting <laughs> yeah, that exactly. way back there, <laughs> right? There's yeah. probably a better way to deal with yeah. that other brandy. Yeah. Do wow. you think that emotional and vulnerable are the same thing, or are they two different things? That's no, I question. think they're two different things. So, like, you're okay to be vulnerable, but not emotional. Yeah. So, like, emotional yeah. to you is like showing, like, like crying. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Like, I'm terrible at crying. I will. I will try to hold that shit in. Mm-hmm. Like, no matter what has happened, I will try to hold that shit in. I've maybe ugly cried in front of Jason twice, and it was because some horrific shit wow. happened. I was just about to ask, like, how long in your relationship did it take for you to actually cry in front of him? It was a while. Yeah. Wow. And I, it's also, it, it wasn't even just for him. Like I said, like, I just don't like to do it yeah. because if I do it, then my mental headspace starts to spiral. Whereas mm. if I don't go there, mm-hmm. I can maintain some semblance of order and keep going. That yeah. is so you funny because I'm so the opposite. Like, if I don't ugly cry, I feel terrible. Like, that's my release. Interesting. That's like my, like, storm cloud. And I just need to, like... I have so many cloud references. I just have to like <laughs> like poke it and like let it all pour out and then I'm like, okay. <laughs> but I think that's right. Jason always says that actually when you cry like that, there are actual there are actual toxins that are getting released when you're doing that. That if you don't cry, you're just keeping inside oh. and those toxins are staying in your body. Oh. Wow. So, so you need a detox. Ugly crying. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You let those storm clouds rain. (laughs) (laughs) Let them pour down on you. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) I think your question reminds me of something that I was asking myself as I was reading this because they seem very similar. Hmm. I felt like from what we've read so far anyway, that this book is a conversation of wanting to be someone that you're not. Or mm. trying on someone else's skin. Like, I don't oh. I don't know if it's necessarily that you want to be someone that you're not. 
But it definitely seems that the skin you're in is so uncomfortable that you need to figure out. Mm. And I still haven't really formulated my, for myself like what that difference is. Mm-hmm. Um, what your question just reminded me of that is like I think there's a lot of bigger questions in this book that I'm still trying to understand. But going along those lines, similarly, I feel like there's this theme of loneliness mm-hmm. and of all of these characters trying yeah. to find where they belong Mm -hmm. do they belong to someone do they belong to a community do they belong to a place and time like they're all just in search of grappling with where where do they really see themselves being themselves and that reminds me that one that brings me back to barry because you said something earlier brandy where you said that his story was so tragic to you because he's not like able to be who he wants to be. And yeah. and I wonder about that too, because you know, he says at one point about his drag, it was fun because everyone knew that it was not real. So this is mm. a question I have in general about the drag culture. Yeah. And I think it really does depend on the person. Cause I have some friends that do drag purely just for fun. Yeah. And 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 they love getting dressed up in in women's clothes and in makeup and putting on the heel and the wigs and just doing the act. But, mm-hmm. like, they do not feel comfortable going out like that. Like, they do it like at home for fun. Like, existing life like that. Right. Whereas um, I have some friends that I think feel much more comfortable when they're dressed up. And they, they secretly wish, or they wish, that that could be their persona more often. Right. And so I, I do think it's, like, a case-by-case um, but I do think there's something like fun about getting dressed up. So I, I wonder for Barry if if he really if that's kind of it lies more on that layer than it does him feeling like he's not able to be who he really is. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I think what I was responding to more so was like this this feeling that he has to hide buying his makeup. Right. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I don't think he's right. free to tell people what he does on the weekend. Yes, that's it's for cool sure. when he's at the club. But like, I don't think he can be vocal about that, mm-hmm. about those two sides of himself. And I think there's also this layer because you brought up Brandy last week about shame and that there's a lot of shame going on for these characters. Yeah. And I think that there's a part of him also that because he is a school teacher like, how yeah. would he be perceived if they knew this other side of him? So yeah. it's like it's better to keep it under wraps because it just yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, probably be bad t- for him. Right. Yeah. Right. And this is the 60s? This is the 70s. This would be the 70s because mm-hmm. this is the 10 70s. years forward. Yeah. Right. But even still. Yeah. that's Right. Exactly. It yeah. seems to be running through as a – it seems to be running through the book also that this concept that things are easier in the nighttime. Like in the darkness oh, is when people yeah. are free to really express themselves or interesting take those risks they're too afraid to do in the daytime. And I think that's really interesting. Like that the night yeah. is this this sense of freedom and and mm-hmm. escape and magic. And then the daytime it's like everything's terrible. Yeah. I had not picked up on that, but that's a great point. Yeah. There was uh, a point when Jude and Reese were walking out of the party after they had finally like given into one another. Or Jude had given into him. And she says, I finally see the stars. And it was nighttime. Oh, and it's yes. when everything had like they ever they had lost power. Mm-hmm. So it's like she it's like it was a moment of I freedom. think for me, it was yeah. freedom and hope. Yeah. 
Across the city, darkness and light. Yeah. Yes. That one. That was beautiful. Yep. 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 This is actually interesting that I just, based on what I just said, I just thought about this. Barry's drag persona is Bianca, which is white. Oh, is that Italian? Is that Mm -hmm. Italian? Oh. So I don't know if that has, because isn't Barry black? I thought Barry was. I thought he was white, but white. I actually don't know the answer to that. Oh, maybe he's not. I don't know. But anyway, I'm not sure why I was under the impression he was white. Well, there was a point where Reese was explaining to Jude that his drag, like the who he was in drag, and that he also was a white woman in drag. I don't know if that was if that has anything to do with anything. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, but like because he's white or because he makes himself look white. That's the thing. I'm not sure anymore. Oh, That's I the only know. reason why I was thinking that maybe he was white. I don't know. Well, because because that would be a whole nother interesting conversation then is right. a, a black man who is posing as a white woman. Right. Drag, whose yeah. name means right. white. In white. His, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he has that great quote, too, to bring it back to Barry. I mean, we're still talking about Barry. We just can't stop talking <laughs> about I know. Barry. I, I really <laughs> liked that character a lot. Yeah. But he says, you could live a life this way, split, as long as you knew who was in charge. So oh. I think that's also, to tie that back to your question, Brandy, you know, like, we can live our lives with these qualities, but we want the ones positive ones or the ones that are um, not harmful to be in charge. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think to your point, too, you know, you talked about the cloud just sort of coming and passing, you know, passing over the cloud of emotion. And I think what sometimes people try to suppress is emotions that they maybe aren't so capable of controlling. And I feel like for me, that's definitely the case is like if I get out of control, then I'm impatient and I can't always control the way I'm behaving when I'm impatient. If I Mm. could, I might not mind being impatient with people so much because I know I'm never going to be disrespectful to somebody, Uh but I hide it because I fear I will be because I'm not in control control. of that. That cloud's not going to pass peacefully over. It's going to become a fucking storm cloud and take over my life. Hmm. You know what I mean? Storm yeah. clouds are good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, Do either of you ever feel – I wrote this note because this came up as I was reading it too. I realized speaking of our, our multiple sides, I feel like I do have these two sides of me that are um, – Like, I'll see, like, a really big, beautiful, flashy engagement ring, and I'll be like, oh, my God, look at this, like, big, sparkly diamond. And I'm like, I love it. But then if I were to actually wear that, it would feel ridiculous. I would be like, this is – this is too much on me, do you know? Right. Or like I'll look mm-hmm. at, at um, on Zillow, like I'll find these homes, these like crazy, beautiful, big homes, with, like floor to ceiling windows and like massive. And I'm like, God, I would love to live there. But then I think if I were really living there, I'd be like, this is not me. So it's like, why do I keep right. gravitating towards these things? It's mm. interesting. That I yeah. say, oh, I want that. But then I know deep down it's not true. Do either of you do that? Yeah, of course. Mariana's to a certain like, no. degree. <laughs> yeah, Mariana's like, no, great. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Tell me more. Well, I feel that I don't give myself the permission to want something so bad without knowing that it is at some point attainable. Interesting. Oh. And I don't know where that stems from. 
That's like I don't allow of, myself. Yeah, my sense of control. Yeah. Is that what you were gonna say? Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. Because I just don't want to. It's a form of protecting yourself. I think. Yeah, it's a defense right. mechanism. Wow. Yeah. 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 I had never really thought that through, but that's definitely the case for me. That's that's definitely the way I cope with it because I never like. Yes, I of course I'm, I I want to reach for the stars, but I I reach for the star that's the nearest <laughs> to my orbit. The one planet. that doesn't seem so far away. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. I totally get because that. Because you don't want to be seen to be reaching, maybe, mm, maybe, or that if you that don't you get there, reach. it won't hurt as much. That it won't be as disappointing yeah. to me. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting mm. that you said that, Emma, though, because I found it really fascinating that Stella now seems to have everything that she wanted, and yet she seems so unfulfilled. Yeah. And Desiree has sort of lost everything. She's been forced to go back home, and yet she's found this kind of great love of her life. Mm. Her daughter's doing great. So yeah. I found that juxtaposition in where they've ended up really interesting and there's even a point that it says um i think it's jude yes it's jude when she starts catering maybe wealth was the freedom to reveal yourself right but for stella it isn't because she has all the wealth in the world and she still has to hide and she's still afraid with that racist husband yo that was such a mind trip for me like you're married to someone that looks down upon black people and you are a black person. But she herself has spoken out against this family. And that's why I'm so conflicted. Like, can you imagine what that's like inside of her head? Because how can you not, how can you not hear what your husband is saying? I mean, didn't she, didn't she compare like, what if he, like, he could have been the guy that killed her dad? The Lynch, one of the Did she say that or did I just make that up? She doesn't say it quite that way. She says, um, I think he's on top of her. Like, they're about to have sex and she says she momentarily sees like one of their faces in him. And she's like, it's ridiculous because he would never hurt me. Mm Mm-hmm. But still, there is some sense of, like, this white man Mm -hmm. hurts. Like, this, it's painful. Mm -hmm. So it's like, how can you have that side, but then you're also defending all of that behavior? And I think maybe believe it. I think maybe that's my biggest question of all of this, is what does she really believe and what does she really stand for? Like, is she actually, has she actually convinced herself that, being white is it and that black people are um, less than or is it has she made herself believe it so much that I I want to know I want to talk to Stella I think and let me know <laughs> let me know what you think Brandy but I think she's doing this the way that she talks about um, that Mexicans are much better workers than if it were of a, a, a black person working she for her say that yeah all of that, she, she, it's a way for her because she's so afraid of somebody realizing that she has that she's passing right now yeah. for who she really truly is. That I think all this these things that she tells her husband about how she d- just dislikes blacks in general, she's saying that so he would never ever question who she truly is. Yeah. I found her psychology in this section so interesting. There were three things that I found really striking about the way she thinks in this section. 
She feels this immense shame at having been raped by their employer when they were teenagers. But a big part of that shame seems to come from being the one who was chosen. This man went after her. He didn't go after Desiree because he seemed to know that she was the twin who wouldn't tell. And she didn't. She endured it until they hatched this scheme to run away from home. And then later, you know, when she's laying in bed, that moment that we talk about um, where she sees for a moment the face of one of these men who lynched her father in her husband's face. The thing that broke my heart about that moment is she says that it's ridiculous because Blake, her husband, would never have hurt her. But then she said, but he could, which Mm -hmm. made her grip him even tighter Mm -hmm. as she felt him sink inside And I just had this sense that, like, this woman has endured a lot. Yeah. And I think she's gotten what she thought she wanted, what she thought would make her feel safe. But ultimately, I think she's always going to be hiding in the closet while her dad gets dragged away before her eyes. Ultimately, she's always going to be afraid of being discovered for who she really is. She's always going to be running. And I feel like, unfortunately, just like with Desiree, the only place she'll ever really feel safe and feel like she doesn't have to run or hide is going to be the home and the mom that -hmm. she ran away from. She's Mm -hmm. not going to be safe anywhere else because she's going to be hiding. Yeah. I remember both of you questioning um, last week, like, what would it take for her to be able to basically disown or just leave Mm -hmm. Desiree? And I think what you just said, Brandy, it all stems from the traumas that she's had to face, the trauma of being molested, the trauma of seeing her dad being killed in front of her own eyes by these white men. And it seems to haunt her. I mean, and I don't I don't know, because maybe we just haven't gotten this insight from Desiree, but it seems to haunt her in a way that it doesn't haunt Desiree. Desiree. At least we haven't heard that side from her. And we we, I think we know that Desiree was not raped in the way that Mm. Stella was. Well yeah I I mean those are all I think my biggest question throughout reading this was does she deep down believe the things that she's saying now because she's because of how strong she how strongly she's had to live that life that now she believes it or is it really just all an act you know what i mean i think and it's that's, fear i oh think it's God, fear that so she's going to get dragged from her own yeah. house the way her dad was dragged from their yeah. house well especially now because she's taken it this far yep it and that's nice. why she finally uh says sorry emma she finally says something at that meeting right she's which is uncharacteristic for her of she her. said this wouldn't normally be what happens but yeah. she can't help it Dude, the couple of sentences where she describes her terror at being pregnant for fear that she's going to give birth to a black baby oh and God. be caught in her lie. Can you even? It, oh, it gave me so much anxiety, but I also wanted a whole other novel about what those nine months must have been like for her mm-hmm. because I can't imagine having to deal with that impending doom. Mm-hmm. Like, not even being able to enjoy your pregnancy, not being able to enjoy the idea of becoming a mom, just pure fear that you're about to give birth to the thing that mm-hmm. gives you away mm-hmm. and possibly gets <laughs> you killed. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. I know. I know. Unless you just then have to lie and say that you had an affair with a black guy. Which it sounds like <sighs> she was ready to she do. Right. It sounds like that was, yeah, her best option in her mind. 
Well, we've already touched upon a lot of moments through these chapters that have yeah. been really like Yankee and pulling at our hearts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there are two that I did want to bring up that we've yet to touch upon, which for some reason really stood out for me and something that I really wanted to discuss with both of you. So in as an homage to Emma and following suit to Emma's two-parter questions, ah. you're going to need to bear with me because these are not connected at all. But I just wanted to, I just wanted like to, hear, to see Emma answer one of the it. two-parters. <laughs> are you ready for it? Let's yes. see if we can keep track of both of them. Okay. The first moment, it happens pretty early on, and we haven't really talked about early. When oh, yeah. Early is really looking at himself in the mirror. Startled by his own face, he was, he suspected, beginning to look more and more like his own father, which was an as unsettling as transforming into a stranger. Here, I was struck more so for the idea of getting older and one morning waking up and seeing yourself differently, not realizing where the time has gone, how differently you look now. So the first one is, have either of you had a similar moment as of yet? And what did that feel like? Mm. The other moment that profoundly moved me was when Barry discusses Jude's relationship with Reese. Barry asks, what would be better than being 18 and in love? Oh, Mm. you don't even know. If I could go back, I'd do everything different. He goes on to say... This big old world, and we only get to go through it once. Mm. The saddest thing there is, you ask me. Yeah. And that got me thinking of the things, now looking back, in hindsight, that I would have done differently. If both of you don't mind, share a regret with us. Or with me. Oh. <sighs> um. I can, I can see now, actually, a lot of things that I might regret. So I'm starting to write those things down so I can be sure to acknowledge them before they become regrets. Oh, interesting. Because I generally generally have this feeling that I don't like the concept of regrets because even like huge mistakes that I've made or terrible things that have happened, I usually always learn from them. And so even though they seem like a regret – I try to like turn that around, but there are certain things that 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 wouldn't be the case. So I'm trying to like sort those out now while I still can. But um, the one thing that I that I do feel like I do genuinely regret mm. is that I stopped dancing. Yeah, and it's so funny because every time I talk about it, I get emotional mm. because it's still something like. It's still such such an important part of me. And I think that I've suppressed that and pretended that it not pretended that it wasn't, but because I haven't done it in so long, I've been mm. like, oh, well, I just don't do it anymore. Mm. But, you know, whenever anyone says to me, like, oh, you look like a dancer. Are you a dancer? Like, it just mm. makes me so sad because I'm like, I was a dancer and I just really miss it. And maybe like in I, college or has it been in, has it been longer? I mean, I haven't danced since college. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's been a. I t- I've taken like a couple classes here and there, but mm, not um, the same. And you know, I really shouldn't even look at it as a regret because it's not like I can't do it. Like I, right. I could go to a class tomorrow. Could. I could go to class every day. But now it's become such a mental thing because I don't mm. have any technique anymore. Or I'm sure that's not true, but 
you know, it's like, yeah, imagine absolutely. like showing up at a ballet class right now. Like that's terrifying. Mm-hmm. And so I just need to like work that out with myself. But I think it feels like a really big part of me is missing. And mm-hmm. now I'm like really acknowledging that. And it just really makes me sad. So I don't know if that's really regret, but it feels like it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, that totally is. Oh, I'm sorry. Don't be. It's life. (laughs) That's the course. this means we've got to get our salsa dance date going (gasps) sooner rather than later. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, ma'am. we got to get that on the books, y'all. Although salsa I was (laughs) never good at. (laughs) (laughs) Me either. Mariana can lead the class. Yes! I could. Wait, does Andrew dance with you? Does Andrew salsa dance? Oh, I've made him. Yeah. He doesn't okay. enjoy it. But he'll do it. <laughs> but he'll do it. You get enough drinks in him, okay. he'll he'll bust okay. a move. That's <laughs> not hard, I imagine. Andrew's always down for a drink. Oh, yeah. He's always <laughs> up to have fun. Yeah. It's not his favorite thing to do. But right. wait, Emma, you didn't answer my first question. Oh, Fuck. Yeah, look at me. I suck at the two parts. Have you had that moment looking into the mirror? I've really seen you. <sighs> Sorry, I. You're right. Wow, <laughs> I love to now ask them. I hate to answer them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Busted. Um, I can't think. I can't actually think of like one specific instance where I looked in the mirror and I was like, "Oh my god." But over the last couple years, I I am so much more aware now of just wrinkles, you know, and yeah. um, yeah. and like my skin is changing, and yeah. and not even on a surface level, but internally, you know, or like my hips and my knees ache now in a way that they didn't before, and yeah. so there are, a, and I can't stay awake past ten thirty, so like there are definitely <laughs> elements where I'm like, okay, I'm not in my, I'm definitely not in my twenties anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's why I've become very into skincare in the last year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't have a specific instance, but overall. All right, what about you two? B. Um, yeah, I can't say that I've had a moment like that specifically with a mirror, but as you two know, I do have a sister, a younger sister who's 18 years younger than me, and she lives in Texas, so I haven't gotten to watch her grow up up close Mm. like on a daily basis I just see her for holidays and vacations so in some ways every time I've seen her and she's like this new little person I feel like I'm looking into a mirror of like where the hell has the time gone yeah I remember the first time that it really struck me she was like seven years old and she made a joke that made me laugh and I was so (laughs) startled By the realization that, like, she's not a little baby anymore. Like, now she's a person who thinks stuff and, like, can formulate jokes and, like, make people laugh. Like, it was such a strange realization. And I immediately had this sense of, like, if she's changed that much, how much have I changed without realizing it? Like, how much older must I look? You know what I mean? Like, all of that stuff. Yeah. Um, And your second thing, a regret... For the most part, I'm similar to you, Emma. I don't really believe in regret because I think every event in our past has in some way happened to help us become who we are Mm -hmm. to some degree. I know some people experience really traumatic stuff that should never happen to anybody, but I don't have anything like that. But I, I do wish that one thing I do regret is that I do wish that I had been able to spend more time 
with my sisters over the last 10 to 15 years. I moved away mm. when I was so young. You know, I was 18 years old. So, yeah, that that's one where has the time gone moment I had recently as I was realizing that Chardonnay's graduating from high school this year. Fucking crazy. Oh my God. Chablis is getting her master's this oh my year. Oh, wow. And I just found myself thinking recently, like, I don't know as much about their lives as I wish I knew. I don't know. Mm. I don't know who their friends are, really. Mm. I don't know what they do on their downtime. I don't know what they hope the next 10 years of their lives look like. That is something that I feel like I very much regret and need to rectify. Yeah. What about you, Em? That's cool. Um, to my first question, I have actually had several moments during the pandemic <laughs> looking into the mirror and being like, Ugh. no, not really. But seeing, seeing more lines and seeing and just being like really looking at myself and being like, wow, wow, I am changing. Mm-hmm. I feel like my body's changing. I feel my features are changing. And I'm and I'm very fortunate that I come from like a line of very good genes. Like my dad looks like he's forty, yeah, just that truly. he has the salt pepper. Your hair. mom too. Yeah. yeah, my mom. And so I've always just like gravitated towards. Well, I I look much younger than I am, but now yeah. I feel like I'm I'm really maturing into my age, mm. which is perfectly appropriate. But it is a little scary because mm. then I start. Thinking about, not that I'm a firm believer of regrets, but there's a little part of me that I kind of focus on regrets more so than both of you. Mm. And that's what led me into thinking about this, because if I see time passing and I didn't do or didn't see, didn't find myself in the place where I thought I would be at this age of my life, it's like, fuck. Yeah, Yeah. that's hard. Um, But it's something I have to deal with. So, I mean, we all have to deal with. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but one thing I, I have thought about recently, um, and I, I don't think I've told either of you this, um, or maybe I have. When I was a senior in high school, the night before having to turn in my acceptance letter, I was between Fordham and NYU, Tish. Oh. For dance. Oh. And the reason why the choice was made to go to Fordham with Ailey at the Lincoln Center campus, because it was a much smaller campus. And I I was also given a full ride because of my academics and oh, my talent. That's and a no-brainer. In, <laughs> at yeah. Tisch, I was given 50%, which... So good. It's it's still good. But but there's a part of me that I was very much influenced. And of course, I, I needed to take my parents' feelings and thoughts and, like, monetarily, what would that do as a family? Like, all of that into consideration. But I wonder, like, if I would have gone to Tish, like, would I ever ever have gotten injured? Would I still have a dance career? Mm. Would I have ever met Andrew? My life's going to take a totally different trajectory. Yeah. I guess all I'm saying is that I still have difficulty in making decisions without being influenced by what others think or how they're supporting me in my decision making. That learning from this, not necessarily a regret, but learning from my past, I have to now be more, feel more empowered Mm -hmm. in making my decisions from here on out and not questioning them as much. Yeah. I really really feel that one. Yeah, Yeah. That's really hard. Well, not to go from a question to a question, but what you just said, Mariana, is a great segue for mine. So I'm going to take this opportunity to ask my question to you, too. Okay. I'm a strong believer. I'm a strong believer 
that the universe puts things in our way. Actually, I shouldn't say in our way, in our path at a certain time for a reason, including people, obstacles, relationships, etc. Yeah. I get a strong sense of that concept in this novel, such as yeah. Barry turning up for Reese when he really needed him, yeah. early re-entering Desiree's life when she really needed him, Jude conveniently bartending at that party where she will presumably right. first come into contact with her aunt, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Do either of you have any stories of when you feel a moment like this was reflected in your own life, a time when the universe lined something up for you, whether it was immediate or took some time to unfold? Mm-hmm. I really like this question. You're a spiritual and person, too. <laughs> not, all, but not only do I have two moments, but it's actually something I was about to say to Mariana about her answer to her question. I tend to use these moments where it feels like the universe has put something in my pathway I tend to use them as benchmarks to say like, okay, well, I couldn't have lived without that thing. So I can't be that far off track. You know what I mean? Like I married Jason three years ago. That was definitely supposed to happen. So anything that happened to get me there was supposed to happen. Right. And I feel like that with you and Andrew, you know, about Fordham, like you went to the right place if it got you to Andrew. Right. You know what I mean? Like that can't be wrong at all. That can't be wrong ever. That was the perfect choice. Right. Right. So the two biggest examples I can think of in my life are meeting Jason, of course. We met working on a show together five years before we started dating. Hmm. And we we stayed friends for those five years. We would meet up and have coffee and stuff like that. So by the time we started dating, we knew each other really well. And there was like a lot of trust there. And I think he was finally ready for a long-term relationship at the time that we got together, I feel like if it had started any sooner than that, we might not have ended up where we ended up. Mm -hmm. So I feel like everything happened. Mm -hmm. The universe put him in my path at exactly the right moment so that we could let things like marinate for a while to end up at the exact right place. The second example I have in my life was actually ending up at NYU because The universe definitely conspired to get me to New York. I had an audition and an interview in Houston for NYU. And it was one of those days where just like nothing could go wrong. My interviewer was lovely. We had this incredible conversation about books, actually. And I remember just leaving and knowing that I was going to get in. I knew I was going to get the conservatory I wanted. Like it it was just right. But Mm -hmm. my mom was completely opposed to me coming to New York for a lot of reasons. Mm. So that was a really big roadblock until my then boyfriend at the time also got into NYU. And like at that point, he had decided he was going. So there was just kind of no stopping it. If he hadn't also been coming to New York, I don't think I would have had the courage to defy my mom Mm. and be a little bit selfish and say, no, fuck it, I'm going too. I think I probably would have ended up in Texas Mm. doing something completely different. I don't think I ever would have made it here. Wow. What a different life that would have been. I know. It would have been, yeah, it would have been a really different life and... Like, thank God it didn't go down that way because I think it probably would have been a really sad mm-hmm. life. I think I always would have been wondering about this road. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I also love this question, Emma. And, like, we're all full of contradictions. <laughs> like, now I'm going to flip the switch on you because <laughs> Brandy kind of prefaced what I was going to say. But um, 
And I've mentioned this before on the podcast that during my vows to Andrew, I told him that he had found the Mariana that I had lost a long time ago. And I am a firm believer believer that Andrew came into my life when I needed him the most. Mm. Because coming out of my junior year of college, I was in a very committed, passionate relationship, was trying unsuccessfully to get over my eating disorder Mm. and was concerned that because of my new weight gain, I would not make it as a professional dancer. Uh. I was actually even told um, the spring before that I should switch my concentration to choreography instead of performance. Oh what? my God. Because of the way I looked. No fucking way. Uh, Which was so... That makes me so mad. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. You can't... I, I don't really want to talk too much about that because it's it's hard for me. Ugh. Which was a very... I, I went into the program with a very different weight so that kind of their excuse was that I would be much more successful as a choreographer but anyway god and I also during that time had like several falling outs with really close friends that I thought were actually family to me and it that ended up not being the case and to top it all off at the end of the summer I was so it was um my the summer of my junior year going into my senior year of college I had stayed at Fordham, because I got a minor in communications, but I had to do two, I had to take two more classes to be able to do that within the time allotted to graduate with my major and my minor. So it was the first summer I didn't see my parents. Mm. My boyfriend at the time had left for tour. I went to visit him during one of the performances in Connecticut, I believe. He then told me that he had fallen in love with someone on tour no. and that we could no longer be together. So it was just like my whole world was basically Bastard. crashing down. Um, he let you go all the way out there to see him? To say so it. And I stayed in you? his hotel room. fucking asshole. He break up, break up with me. He's like, before wow. I do anything with this individual, I wanted to come clean. I'm like, okay, great. I'm glad you didn't cheat on me. But mm. <laughs> anyway, but that Labor Day weekend is when I met Andrew. Oh, at a bar at Brother Jimmy's. Brother Jimmy, I know. It was like I fucking literally like you. two weeks after all of this had happened. Wow! And though we didn't attend the same, I mean, we both were at Fordham, but he was at the Rosehill campus. I was in Lincoln Center. Mm-hmm. We were both meant to be at that bar that mm-hmm. evening. Yeah, and. It was like he immediately saw me for me. He didn't see the dancer. He didn't see the weight. He didn't see the past. He didn't see the future. He just saw me and he loved me. <laughs> and within nine months, we were we moved in together. I Aww. felt the happiest I had ever been. And I was able to get an apprenticeship with the dance company. Like it was just it all. Wow. Yeah. He brought laughter into my life. He gave me the balance that I so craved for. And he made life mean something other than that I was desperately pursuing. Yeah. He saw me. It was just like, it's crazy. If you guys ever renew your vows, you should just play this part of the podcast for him. I know. (laughs) (laughs) That's so sweet. I should. I should. Because my vows were very short and his were like insanely amazing. And mine were very short. So I should. Yeah. That's so sweet. That is sweet. Thanks. Emma? Well, both of mine are actually also about relationships, which is funny. Um, The first one is about the end of of a relationship, similarly to yours. The first one that I thought of was 
when I found the text on my ex's phone that led me to realize that he had cheated on me, mm-hmm. which yeah. at the time was like the worst thing that had ever happened to me. But that is what led me to leave that relationship, which I probably should have left uh, like a year before then, you know? Mm. And I think if I hadn't found that text, I probably would have stayed and like tried to make it work. Like I I was like finding a bunch of um, excuses and like, you know, defending a lot of behavior and, and, yeah trying trying to be happy um but that was really like what i needed to help me get out of that and so it went from being the worst thing to being like a blessing yeah and on the flip side of that you know to make it a happier ending me going to italy to do uh Whatever play that was that I did, (laughs) (laughs) this last time to find Ricardo because I almost didn't go. I was really on the fence about going. Yeah, because I I had gone twice before, and I was like, you know, the timing just doesn't make sense, and it's expensive to go, and like I'm really trying to like make my way for myself in New York. So every time I leave, but I was like, okay, I'll go, and this will probably be my last year. And thank God I did. And it wasn't just that I met that I met Ricardo there, but we met at a bar that first night, but I was with two of my girlfriends and I was like, I'm not hanging out with you because I'm with my girlfriends. And we exchanged numbers, but the next night we ran into each other on the street. Oh my oh, God. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. I was with my girlfriends who were visiting me and we were walking from one bar to another and we like turned a corner and there he was walking his dog oh my god and we were like oh hi (laughs) and then we met up again that night so i don't know if we had run into each other on the street if we would have reconnected again right so that that moment actually is the one Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, that was the universe being like pay attention (laughs) yeah (laughs) you two belong together yeah Wow. <laughs> well, and to make it even weirder, his so his dad was a lung doctor. And when Ricardo was really, really young, his dad did a residency in Rochester, New York. And I think this I think this timing is correct. Ricardo ended up befriending a little redheaded girl. They were like best friends. She was American, obviously. Yeah. And Ricardo's dad was like, you're going to end up with, like, a redheaded American girl. And so I told Ricardo, you know, like, when we found each other, I was like, that was your dad. Like, your dad, like, put us together. Yes. Oh, I love that. I can't with this episode. (laughs) You ladies, I can't. I'm not going to (laughs) cry. We're really trying. Emma and I are really trying. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Wow. All right. Well, that's it for questions. What what other, do we have more book? Well, I mean, I do want to hear, like, if if either of you have theories about where things are going. I don't know that I came up with a theory for where it's going. Yeah, I, don't I don't know, know that I, I thought came up about with it. anything. Well, I guess one one big question that I have is, do you ladies think that Stella is going to end up in Mal- back in Mallard again? I hadn't thought about it, but right now thinking about it, I say yes. 
Same. I think she has to, right? I think it's the only way she's going to find peace. Yes. That's what it, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, but it's going to be hard. Yeah, that's going to be, especially with her daughter. Because, like, she's going to have to take that kid with her. Yeah. You think she'd bring the daughter? I don't know that she would bring the daughter. I think she might do it just for herself. I guess she's 18 now, right? Right. Yeah. If, she if she's who we think she is, she's 18. Yeah. It has to be her. I guess the thing that I don't know is, will will the dad, Stella's husband, be receptive to keeping his daughter and maintaining her if he knows that she's actually half black? No, I don't think so. You don't think so? I don't think so. But I don't think he's ever going to know. I think I think whatever happens with Stella is just going to be Stella. And I think, I mean, because I think eventually Stella and Desiree are going to have to reunite. Yeah. And I, I think, think so that I relationship, so. is, that's the most important relationship. So I would hope that Blake stays out of it. I just wonder how Jude is going to approach Stella, like how that's going to come about. What is Jude going to say? How how is Stella yeah. going to react in the middle of this enormous, like, <laughs> wealthy party? So you ladies don't think Stella's going to come clean. You just think she might go back to Mallard. Like, do you think she'll leave her husband to go back to Mallard permanently? Or do you think she'll just skip town for a couple of days and go back to Mallard just to say hi, but then come back to this secret life? Will she disappear on Blake just like she did on Desiree? I don't think she can because now Jude is in the mix. I think something is going to happen there. Like Jude is going to be the connecting factor in all of this. I have this terrible feeling that something bad is going to happen to Desiree. What? And then Stella's going (gasps) to... Like have to go back home? Or like have to accept who she is in Stella's honor. Hmm. Interesting. I don't know. Oh, my God. Like, Desiree's going to need a kidney or something? <laughs> no, worse. Like, I think, like, oh. someone might, like, <laughs> beat her up or kill her. No. And then Stella's going to be, like, like, maybe Sam comes back and does something terrible. I don't know. I mean, I'm making this yeah, up on the Sam spot. I never thought about back. it. I'm wondering I feel like Sam has that. to come back yeah. in the mix. Yeah. <sighs> we'll find out. We'll find <laughs> out. To be continued. Mm-hmm. But before we leave this episode... I have a final question for you. <laughs> Ooh, tell us. Lay it on us. It's a short and sweet question. Love it. <laughs> okay. What would your drag name be? Ooh, this is a fun one. <laughs> I like it. Jennifer Love Boobit. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you had thought about that before. Andrea she told me that before. She wasted <laughs> yeah, no time. I thought about that one before. Yeah. <laughs> Mine would be the same as my Peloton leaderboard name. Bravissima. Oh, yes. Bravissima. <laughs> Do you tell yourself. That's your Peloton name? <laughs> Every time she gets on the Peloton, she's like, bravissima. We're, go- we're, go- we're ready am. to go. Bravissima. <laughs> You're so Italian. <laughs> I love it. All right, Emma, tell us. Well, so am I in my drag persona because I would be. (laughs) Oh, God. I would be. (laughs) I can't even say it's so stupid. Taco Bella. (laughs) Taco Bella is a perfect drag name. And Taco has some connotations as well. Feel me? We got it, Emma. Okay, okay, (laughs) good. 
good. Taco Bella performing uh, in the oh cantina. My god. <laughs> I, 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 oh my god. <laughs> I love that, it. That, All yeah. right. I'm definitely going to call you both by those names. Okay, okay bravissima. In the future. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we're going to intro our podcast next week. Oh, we should. Done. <laughs> done and done. Write it down. Yep. All right, everybody. Thank you all so much for listening. If you have an insight or a question you'd like us to discuss on an episode, or you just want to tell us your drag yes, name, yeah. just email at drunk at gmail.com for a chance to be featured on our listener questions segment. Yes. We have a new five-star review on Apple Podcasts to rave about. Oh, <laughs> tell us. Jess RVA called our pod delightful oh. and Oh, it is pretty cool. She also did say she wishes she would have started listening sooner. Well, Jess, it's never too late. <laughs> yeah, get on yeah, in here. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks, Jess. Richmond, Virginia, hometown, what, what? Yeah. <laughs> RBA. <laughs> Next week, we'll be reading to the end of chapter 13. Woo-hoo. Stay tuned on our Instagram page at Are These Books Drunk to find out next week's cocktail pairing so that you can read along and sip along with yes. us. Because it's oh, always happy hour. Hour. Here. Here. <laughs> no rain clouds of loud. <laughs> I'll rain on your face. Uh, <laughs> bye, 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 ladies. Bye, ladies. Bye.